0: Life's not fair. You've probably heard that before. In fact, you've probably said that before, right? Different circumstances in your life has made you think, it's not fair. Why is this happening to me? And I want to tell you a story this morning about a man who, while sitting in prison, could have thought that very thing. He could have been thinking, it's not fair. Why is this happening to me? But to understand why he would have been thinking that, we have to go back a few years. About five years earlier, this man was worshiping in the temple. And uh, with some of his friends that he had brought in from a faraway place. And um, some, some other people were there too. Um, some enemies, actually. People that really hated the man. And, and so they assumed that the people that he brought in weren't the kind of people that were supposed to be. In the temple. You see, there were certain people that weren't allowed to come in the temple, and they just assumed that he had brought those people in there. And so they start this rumor um, with some other people that, that he had brought an illegal into the temple. And uh, it gets spread pretty quick, and so some people come in, and they're angry, and they, they grab the man, and they drag him out, and they start beating him. Well, the police show up, and, and they calm the situation down a little bit, but they assume that there must have been a reason they were beating the man up, and so they arrest him. And they ask, okay, what did he do wrong? But, I mean, it's just everybody's shouting. There's almost a riot. Uh, So they can't get a straight answer out. So they decide to take him back to the police station. Take him back to the precinct. They'll figure out what he did there. And uh, so they they figure they'll get a confession out of him the good old-fashioned way, right? They'll tie him up, and they'll whip him until it loosens his tongue enough that he'll tell them he'll confess to whatever he supposedly did, right? So they take him into the interrogation room. They tie him up. They're about to whip him when he asks them a question. He says, is it lawful for you to do this to a citizen? Well, the police chief, the commander, his face goes white, right? Because no, it's not lawful for them to do that. You see, this they lived in an area where some people were citizens and some people weren't. And citizens had certain privileges, like not being wrongfully arrested or, or beaten without a cause. And so, it wasn't lawful for them to do that. And they could actually get in a lot of trouble just for having arrested him like that. So they needed to come up with a reason um, that they had arrested him. They needed to charge him with something, but they couldn't beat it out of him. So they called in the accusers, the people that had brought this up in the first place. And so the, these men come in, and the problem is, is that they all have different stories, right? They can't keep their stories straight. There's really, there's really not good evidence to support what they're saying. And so they can't charge him with anything. So the commander decides to, to keep him detained overnight, and, uh, but that night he hears something. He hears about a plot, a plot to the next day the accusers are going to call for another hearing, um, and then on the way, while this man is being brought to that hearing, they're going to ambush him and kill him. And in, in fact, some of them had even made a vow that they weren't going to eat or drink anything until this man was dead. Well, the commander doesn't want that happening. He, he doesn't want to deal with this anymore. So he has him shipped off to his boss, to the governor, who's in a town about 50 miles away. That very night, he sends him off to the governor. And uh, so a little while later, he gets there. And a couple days after the man gets there, uh, the accusers show up to bring their case to the governor. This time, they have their story straight, right? They've talked. They've figured it out. They, they, bring, they bring their case. But... The problem is, is there's just no evidence. Uh, there's no evidence to support what they're saying. And so the, the governor really should just release him, just let him go. There's not evidence, should let the man go. But he doesn't. Um, you see, he's realized a couple things about this man. One is that he defends himself really well. But, but more importantly, he, he has lots of friends on the outside. And so he gets this, the governor gets this idea in his head. I could release him now, or I could wait and see if his friends are willing to pay for him to get out. I'll just wait here for a bribe, and then I'll let him out. I can make some money off of this situation. So he decides to keep him in prison, to keep him detained, and he ends up keeping him for two years. The, tr- the bribe never comes, and so the release never comes. And you can imagine that, that at this time, this man, he, he could have been thinking, this isn't fair. Why is this happening to me? it's not over yet that governor ends up getting transferred moved somewhere else and a new governor comes in and the case gets reopened the accusers come back and and they bring their case but still there's just not enough evidence so this governor he doesn't want to deal with it anymore he says you know what i'm just going to send you back to where it all happened they can figure it out there but there's a problem with that the man knows that if he gets sent back to where it all happened he's going to be killed there's no doubt about it he's he's going to die And so he has one more card left to play, and and that card is appealing to the Supreme Court. So he appeals to the Supreme Court, uh, which is his right as a citizen, so the governor has to honor it, so he sends him off to the capital to be tried by the Supreme Court. It's a long journey, though. It takes a while to get there, and they have to take a ship for part of that journey, a boat on the water. And it's not a good time of year. It's getting towards winter when it's it's not a good time to, to sail in that area. So really, they should, they should spend, the, spend the winter in the harbor, but the owner of the boat and the prison guard, they just want to get this over with, right? They want to drop off their cargo and be done with it. So they decide to just continue on despite the warnings, and it's a disaster. They, uh, the storm comes, and the, the sh- it, they end up shipwrecked on an island. Amazingly, everyone survives, but they have to spend the winter there on that island, well, finally, spring comes, and another ship comes, and they, they, they pick up the prisoners, and they take them back to the capital. They take them back to Rome. And this man, by the way, his name's Paul, he gets taken and he gets put under house arrest. You see, he'd still never been charged with anything, so they weren't going to throw him in the dungeon, uh, but they had to figure out what to do with him. So they allow him to, with his own money, rent a house. And then he's under house arrest there, which means that he is shackled to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week in that place. And the, uh, the Roman courts move pretty slow, and so he's there for another two years. And his only hope is in appealing to Caesar. That's what the Supreme Court wasn't. He was. He could appeal to Caesar, which at this time was Nero, and Nero wasn't known as being reasonable. And yet, you know, he he could have been thinking, despite this, he could have been thinking, this isn't fair, why is this happening to me? But that's not what Paul thought that day. We actually see what he thought about this. Because around this time, he wrote a letter to the Philippians. And that's where we're at this morning in Philippians chapter 1, which is page 980 in the church Bible in front of you we get a little glimpse. This is what he tells the Philippians. Despite everything that's happened to him, this is his perspective. So Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 12 here. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And in that, I rejoice. Do you see Paul's perspective here? I mean, he's been wrongfully imprisoned for over four years now, shipwrecked, beaten, all of these things that happened. Most of us at this time would have been pretty angry, right? Maybe even angry at God, and yet what's his, what's his perspective? As long as Christ is proclaimed, in that, I rejoice. And that's what we see come out of this passage today, is that no matter what the circumstance Paul is looking for an opportunity to share the gospel. And that's what we can find for ourselves here today, is that we should look at every circumstance in our life as an opportunity to share the gospel. Because people hear the gospel through difficulty, and people speak the gospel through difficulty. And that's what we're going to see throughout this passage here today. Uh, So let's let's jump in to this this first part, verses 12 and 13. People hear the gospel through difficulty. So he says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And that's surprising, right, that Paul would say that. What has happened to me is actually advancing the gospel. I mean, Paul, he's this awesome missionary, preacher, gospel worker, right? And he's, he's bringing the gospel to to all to, to the nations. And then he gets put in prison. And you would think, oh, man, that was really a hit for the gospel, right? He's not out there preaching anymore. That's, that's too bad. But what does he say here? What's his perspective? No, actually, it's advanced the gospel even more. That's his perspective as he goes into this. This has advanced the gospel, and so he's excited about that. And then he says, "So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ." So what's happened here? The whole imperial guard, which could be up to nine hundred soldiers, has heard that that the reason he's in jail, the reason he's imprisoned, is because of Jesus. And how have they found that out? Well, every, for, for six hours. In, in, in turn, for 24 hours a day, there's someone shackled to him, right? Every six hours, the guard's changed and a new one comes in, but, but there, he's shackled to a guard. And you can just imagine um, when the new, the new shift comes in and the guard gets shackled to, to Paul and he's got a little smile on his face. He goes, you're stuck with me for six hours. Let me tell you about Jesus, right? So he's had so much opportunity to tell people about Jesus, but not only that, they've seen Something different about him. You see, they probably have an understanding, they probably realize that this guy really shouldn't be here, right? There's still no formal charges against him. Um, and, and the only thing that the only reason for him being in prison they can come up with is because he believes in in this guy named Jesus. And and he's been telling people about him. And and so they could probably there's a good chance that a lot of these soldiers probably felt that, man, this guy shouldn't be here. And yet what's his attitude? It's different than all the other prisoners. Even the prisoners that are supposed to be there are angry and mad and upset. And yet, what's this guy doing? He's rejoicing. You see, they see, they hear the gospel through the difficulty in Paul's life. That his difficulty, his pain, despite that, his, his rejoicing is what shows people that this is real. This is true. People hear the gospel Through Paul's difficulty. In fact, many people have heard, and and we even know that some of them have believed. At the end of Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 22, he, he says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Even those in Caesar's household have believed because Paul has had an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So Paul doesn't look at this as a negative thing. It's positive, right? He's had an opportunity to share the gospel with so many people because of this difficulty. Many of you probably remember Art Bowen. He was a faithful member here for many years, and I had an opportunity towards the end of his life when he was in the hospital dying, I had the opportunity to visit him in the hospital. And, and I, can, I can still remember walking into that hospital room, and there was a smile on his face. He's having heart failure, he's, he's close to death and he knows it, and yet he's got a smile on his face. And And as I talked to him, he was joyful, and, and his nurses and doctors would come in the room to check on him. He was, he was happy, he was making jokes with them, he was joyful with them. And that gave him such a great opportunity to talk to them about Jesus, and he took that opportunity. He would talk to them, He would tell them about his hope, about his joy in God, despite him laying there in a hospital bed dying. and We can see the impact that that would have in a place like that. Because for most of us, if we're in the hospital sick, injured, what's our perspective? What's our attitude, right? We feel bad for ourselves. We're grieving. We're in pain. And yet, what could it be instead? Instead of looking at it just from our own perspective of, poor me, I'm sick, I'm injured, I'm hurt. What if we looked at it instead as, how can I share Jesus with the people around me? You know, we get lots of prayer requests from people that are in the hospital. Um, and mainly what those prayer requests are is that they would be healed, that they would get out of the hospital, that they would feel better, that their pain would be eased. And, and don't get me wrong, I want that, right? I want you to be healed, I want you to feel better. But there's something I want more than that. I want the gospel to be shared. And, and what if we started... When you end up in the hospital for something and you're sharing a prayer request, what if you said instead of pray that I get better, what if you said pray that I have an opportunity through this difficulty to tell them about Jesus? What if I have that opportunity to share the gospel? What if we started looking at the difficulties in our life that way? What if we started focusing on that as an opportunity to share this good news that Jesus has died on the cross, that he's risen from the grave, and that we have life in him forever? Because people hear the gospel through difficulty. Now, most of us aren't going to end up in prison like Paul and have that opportunity. And, and most of our lives aren't going to be spent in a hospital with that opportunity. But there's lots of other opportunities in our lives. You ever been on the phone with customer service? It's horrible, isn't it? You know, you can spend hours... <laughs> waiting on hold for customer service sometimes. And usually when you come to customer service, whether it's in person or on the phone, you've been wronged in some way, right? The, the, the thing you bought was defective or the service you received was, was kind of below the line, you know, subpar or uh, you, you, you got overcharged or something like that. And so you call up customer service. So you're already, you're already wronged. And then you have to wait for half an hour on hold. And by the time that person comes on the line, right, you're just ready to lay into them. You know how long I've been waiting? It's all your fault, what, you know, and, and, and yet, what if instead we looked at that as an opportunity to be loving and to be kind? What if when they answered the phone and they said, oh, I'm so sorry, it was such a long wait, you said, oh, it's all right, that's okay, and, and you were patient kind and loving. Now, I'm not saying that every time you get on the customer service call, you're going to get a chance to sh- tell them about Jesus, right? But don't ruin that opportunity by being angry. Love people. What about when you're at a restaurant and you receive, you know, you, you have a bad waitress that, that isn't serving very well, or when you're stuck in traffic and you're just, you're, you know, you got to be somewhere, and or, or you get in an accident that's not your fault, Whatever the situation, the grocery line is too long. You know, one of the things that that bugs me the most is when you get in the self-service line and it says 15 items. And that person in front of you has a basket full. But what if instead of being mad, we loved them? What if instead we looked for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Because people hear the gospel through the difficulties in our lives. People don't just hear the gospel through difficulty, people speak the gospel through difficulty. Now, it might sound like that point is very similar to the last one, but there is a little difference here, and we're going to see it in this next section. Starting in verse 14 And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So, what has happened is actually something that happens a lot. Whenever there's a movement and a leader in that movement gets imprisoned or or martyred, right? The the other people step up and they're emboldened, and that's what's happened, right? These other Christians, they're excited, right? Paul's been put in prison. That's not fair, but we don't care. We're going to preach. We're going to preach about Jesus, no no matter what the harm that might come to us, no matter what happens. And so they're excited, they're pumped up, and they're encouraged to preach the good news. And so people speak, because of Paul's difficulty, people are speaking uh, the gospel through that difficulty. And, it, and it's opening up opportunities, it's emboldening people, and it's great. Right, but there's two types of people that are, that are speaking the gospel because of his difficulty. And we find that in, this, in the next couple of verses. Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So we actually get this kind of a weird section here, um, because apparently there's, there's some, because of Paul's imprisonment, they're preaching the gospel because of they love, they love the people, they're doing it for the right reasons, right? They have the right intentions, the right heart out of it. But apparently there's some that are preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of Jesus, but they're doing it out of envy and rivalry. Um, they're, they're trying to afflict Paul. And we don't know exactly what's going on here, but, uh, you know, it, it could have been some, some of these true believers, these apostles, um, that they didn't really like Paul. They didn't think he was a very good preacher. They didn't agree with him on some things. And so um, now that he's in prison, they're just excited to go out and preach the gospel in spite of him, right? Like, ha ha, Paul, you can't preach the gospel, so we're going to do it even more. And, and so kind of this envy and rivalry, and it, and it seems weird that people doing it for the wrong intentions. Paul could still be happy and could still rejoice about. And yet he does. And that's the thing is we don't know. There's, there's a couple other options of who these people could be. But the, the point is that doesn't matter who, who he's talking about here. What really matters is that, that last verse of this section, verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. That's all Paul cares about. It doesn't matter the reason they're preaching the gospel. If they're proclaiming the true gospel, if they're proclaiming Jesus, then I'm going to rejoice. That is his perspective. Even these people that don't like him, that are against him, he's joyful because the gospel is being advanced. So people are speaking the gospel through this difficulty. A lot of you have probably heard the story of Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a gospel worker, a missionary. Uh, down in Ecuador, many many years ago, and um, he was spreading the gospel around that area. And uh, with some other missionaries, they had the opportunity. They were they were trying to reach the reach this small village for the gospel. And uh, so they were flying over. They were dropping gifts. They'd even met with one of the one of the tribe the people in the tribe, um, and and arranged with him to to bring some of the other leaders out, share the gospel with them, and, and they were excited about this, right? Well, they fly in that day, and they land, and they get out, and, and there's the man, and he's bringing some other people from the tribe with them, and then things go suddenly wrong, and all five of these men are killed. And these are men, these are missionaries who have, they have wives, they have kids, and, and we hear the story, and we see the tra- tragedy of it, right? It's, it's sad, and yet, do you know how many times that story has been told over the last several years? Since that's happened. And, and what does it do? When an aspiring missionary hears the story of Jim Elliot, does it cause them to think, you know what, I don't want to get into that. It's not worth it. No. It, it emboldens them, right? They go, yes, I want to go to all the nations. I want to preach Jesus. Even if that's what happens to me because it's worth it, right? So, so this, this story of someone even dying, right, it's not fair and yet it happens. That gives the opportunity to speak the gospel. That gives people the opportunity through that story to speak the message of the gospel. And we have that opportunity as well. We have difficulties in our lives, right? We talked about some of those difficulties earlier. Those difficulties bring an opportunity for other people even to share the message of the gospel, to share the message of Jesus. And actually, it's through those difficulties that the light shines the most, right? You know, we have this idea sometimes where we're like, hey God, would you just give me lots of money and a big house and all this stuff? Um, Because if you did that, then people would see how great it is to be a Christian and they would come to believe. That's not how God works, is it? No, people don't look at all your stuff and go, I want to follow Jesus. Because that's not true, right? That's That's a false gospel. No, it's in the midst of the deepest, darkest difficulties in our lives. In the midst of the loss of a loved one, in the midst of of, of miscarriage, in the midst of a, a child dying, in the midst of of you know your house burning down, all, all these other difficulties that we can think of, when we have joy in Jesus, joy in Christ, in the midst of those difficulties, that speaks the loudest to people, and it emboldens the people around us to share our story, to share that message of the gospel with the people around them. And we have that opportunity. And and that's my hope for you today. See, the point of all of this is that we look at every circumstance as an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, life's not fair, but that's okay. Because if you remember Jesus... That's where we really see life not being fair, right? Life's not fair because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. God works through life not being fair. And when life's not fair in your life, when you're going through a difficult situation, when you're struggling, that's where God's going to work. And that's going to give you the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people that are around you. Now, there may be some of you in here Maybe you're not so sure about this whole Jesus thing, right? You've heard maybe a little bit about it. You're here this morning, but you're not sure. And what I have to tell you this morning is look. Look at the story of Paul. Look what he gave up for Jesus. How could this not be true if if Paul was willing to go through all this mistreatment Um. You know, besides this whole imprisonment for several years, he was beaten almost to death before this. He was imprisoned other times, and yet he gave his whole life for Jesus. How could it not be true? Look at the people around you that, despite the difficulties in their life, they're holding fast to Jesus. Even if it seems like Jesus is the reason they're facing these difficulties in life, that's a testimony that this is real. And I can tell you guys from my own life, I have no doubt that this is real because of what I've seen in other people and because of the difference that, that Jesus has made in my life. And for the rest of you, if you do believe this, then my call to action to you today is look at every circumstance in your life, whether good or bad, look at every circumstance in your life as an opportunity To share the gospel. Because it's in the midst of those darkest, those most hurting, those most difficult times that that light will shine the brightest. And you'll have an opportunity to show someone the love of Christ, his death, his resurrection, and our life with him forever. Because of what you're going through. Let's pray. Lord. God, we praise you that in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the struggles of life, God, that, we, that, that you are there for us, Lord, and that you give us an opportunity because of those things. You give us an opportunity to share your love, to share your grace with the people around us. Lord, I pray um, that you would give us opportunities. Lord, I pray that as, as, as we go throughout our day today, God, at the grocery store, at a restaurant, at home, wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that we would be looking for opportunities to share the good news, good news of of your son's death and resurrection for us and our life with you forever. Lord, give us that opportunity. God, give us the strength and the courage by the power of your Holy Spirit to do that. And Lord, I want to pray as we receive this offering this morning, God, as we give ourselves wholly to you, would we do that in the midst of this offering this morning? Would we not be afraid to step out and to do what is important in our life by giving not just our, not just our money, Lord, but our whole selves to this mission of the gospel. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.